Well, it's great to see you this morning. I, uh, I know today's a really special day. I heard about a, a mom that got on the bus the other day with her newborn baby, and the driver took one look at her and said, that's the ugliest baby I've ever seen in my life. And the mother, of course, is just offended, doesn't know what to say. She just walks back to the bus, on the back of the bus. And she sits next to this guy, and he, she tells him, says, you believe that what this driver just said? She, he just insulted me and said, my baby is ugly. And he said, that, I, I can't believe that. He said, I'll tell you what, why don't you go up there and tell him off. I'll hold your chimpanzee while you do that. Go on up and... <laughs> oh, you poor moms. You poor moms. Hey, I got some special guests here that I, I needed to come and help me preach a little bit today. So let me have Miss Mary. We got all the kids. You want to bring them up and send them up here real quick? You guys come up here. Sit on the, sit on the stage because I got some really important questions that I wanted to ask. I love the enthusiasm. Y'all, y'all can look at me. Don't worry, about, don't worry about these people out here. They're just, they're just along for the ride. You guys, come on over here, guys. Come on, come on close to me. Come on. Because we're not worried about any of these people. Don't, don't worry about them if they take pictures of you. It's just me and you here, right? All right, come here, guys. Come, hey, you guys, come up here close, real close. I, I got to ask this question. Do you, you guys know? Who knows? I, I got a question for you. Do you know what today is? Mother's Day. Oh, that was too easy. Oh, but you, did, you were I prepped. You were prepped. Is something else, too? Oh, I don't think so. Yeah. No. Yes, sir. Miss Mary's birthday. Oh, is it really? Oh, I didn't know that. How old are you, Mary? You want to? S- how, who? How, I got a question. How you, you know Miss Mary? How old do you think Miss Mary is? Thirty nine. Thirty nine. She's being really. I, I think you're wrong. I know the actual. <laughs> okay. So here's another question. You guys know today's Mother's Day, right? All right, and so I, I want to ask you guys some questions about your moms, all right? First thing I would really like to know is, how about you? How old do you think your mom is? 20. 20? Oh, that's nice. That's really nice. I'm not going to ask you any more questions about that. Uh, so so what, is, what is something, I'll tell you what, what is something that your mom always says to you? Oh, that's sweet. What's something your mom always says to you? My mom always, my mom always says, eat your vegetables and you're not going to grow. Yeah, okay, well, that's, that's true, I guess. That's smart true. Mom. Okay, smart mom. All right, here's another question. How tall do you think your, anybody have any idea how tall their mom is? I have a really good guess. You have a really good guess? What do you think? It's hard to, it's hard to. You forgot? Yeah. I know. How old do you think your mom is? Or how, not old. How tall? How tall do you think she is? Do you know? No? How tall do you think your mom is? No. You don't know? Nobody knows how tall? 5'8". Five, 5'8"? Eight. Five, eight. Oh, 42. 42? 42 feet? <laughs> yeah. That's good. That's good. So, what, what, here's, a, here's a real qu- good question. What is something that your mom says to you when she's really mad? I don't know if we would need. Your mom works for the church, so. No, 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 we can't. Okay, all right. You want to say what's something that your mom says when she's really mad? Go to your room. Go to your room. Okay. What about you? Best advice I 
Go to your bed. Oh, okay. What'd she say? My whole name. She says you're all like your first, <laughs> middle, and last name. How does she say it? Can you do it in her voice? I swear there is more. Is it that, <laughs> that high pitch, Lucretia? Wow. Okay. So what do, you, what do you think that your mom does when you're at school? What does she do when you're not around? What do you think? She's weird. She's weird? Yeah. Maybe. Cleans the house. That's nice. Okay. How, how about back here? What, what do you think your mom does when you're not around? That's a good gig. Take care of the dog and sleeping. All right. Okay. Okay. What? What? She's here. She's she is here. <laughs> That's funny how that happens. We, call, we have a name for that at our house. We call it Mount Laundry. Oh. There's clothes I haven't seen in five years. <laughs> What's, what do you think? What does your mom do when you're not around? She teaches the kids art. Okay, that's nice. That's nice. You want to say something? All right, come here. Stand up here for me. She works. She works. Okay, all right. So let me, let me think of one more thing. When your mom is real, like if she gets mad at your dad, <laughs> what do you think, like, what was the last thing that he did that made her really mad? You look like you got something really good. You want to say it? You want to say it? That would make me mad. <laughs> she pretended to stab him with a fork? Oh, your dad, your dad pretended to stab her with a... Who got stabbed? Dad got stabbed? Oh, my goodness. That would make me mad, too, I think. <laughs> we got a police officer that's out here, that, so we're... <laughs> <laughs> you look really rotten. I don't know. Never mind. Never mind. That's probably better. All right, anybody, you got something? When my dad doesn't do what my mom tells him to do, my mom yells at him. Yeah. And they start to fight. They start fight. That's, that seems to be something that happens in my house, too. I don't know why. Well, so, okay. All right, maybe one, you got something you want to say? All right. You're just so cute. I just know something good's going to come out of that mouth. What is it? No? Oh, I put too much pressure on you. you can you think of anything? No? Okay. You may huh? Sure. You want to tell a joke? All right. Who's there? Egg. Egg who? <laughs> That's pretty good. That's pretty fun. Okay. All right. One more. You got a good joke? All right. For Mother's Day. Here, stand up here and face your mom. Look right into that camera because your mom's behind the camera. And say, hey, Sarah, your daughter wants to tell a joke. Let's see what she says. What is a traffic light say, say to the other traffic light 
<laughs> That's pretty good. I like that. Good job. Okay. Okay. All right. So one more thing. One more thing. All right. Who wants to, your probably moms are out here. Who wants to say something to their mom? You want to say something to your mom? Okay. Everybody, I tell you what, let's line up and you come say something to your mom and then you walk off the stage. All right. So let's, everybody go this way so we can see you. All right. What do you want to say? I like that one. What do you, you want to say something? No? Okay, that's all right. You want to say something to mom? Nope. You want to say something to mom? Have a great Mother's Day, mom. You're crazy, but I love you. No. My mom's not here, but I will say something to my grandma. You are the best, and I love you. Oh, very nice. No? Okay. You want to say something? I can't remember. <laughs> nope. You want to say something to mom? One more thing. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Give them a round of applause. Cute, cute babies. You all did a great job, moms. You made some cute babies. All right. Well, we are starting a, a new series today that I'm really excited about called Life Comes At You Fast. And... Uh, it, it's kind of, a lot of people have been giving me grief this week. Why would you start a baseball series on Mother's Day, Brandon? I'm like, because there's a lot of moms that love baseball. And a lot of moms that you spend a lot of time at the ballpark. You watch the kids. You spend so much of your life there, you know, just supporting the kids. And, and, uh, and the truth is that life comes at us fast. There's fastballs, curveballs, you know, it feels like it's coming at us 100 miles an hour. And this is a crazy thought for you. Just if you didn't feel like you were old when you came in here, let me make you feel old for a minute. Uh, do you remember 1980? Some of you do. Some of you were, you know, I don't know. I don't know what you were doing in 1980, but some of you maybe remember that. Maybe some of you were born around that time. The difference between 1980 and today in 2023 is the same amount of years between 1980 and 1937. Yeah, it is. <laughs> It is. So, uh, you know, it's one moment. If, if, just think about how fast life comes at us. I, uh, I sometimes think to myself, you know, it's, it's like we have these long days and short years. And that's what life feels like to me anyway. One moment on top of the world hitting home runs and feeling like we can conquer anything. And the next moment we've struck out and feeling like we can't catch a break. But just like in, in baseball, it's, it's not about the individual moments that define us, but it's about how we handle them and move forward from them. As you know, we think about baseball's full of ups and downs like life, but the, the most successful players are the ones who are able to keep their focus on the bigger picture and they don't, they don't get caught up in the individual moments. They know that one strikeout doesn't define them, and there's always another opportunity to step up. And that's what I really wanted us to know today that one strikeout doesn't define you, there's always another opportunity to step up to the plate. That's true for as long as we're on the earth. That's going to be true for us. Uh, so maybe you're here and uh, maybe you've got a little bit of 
you know, sometimes you just feel like you got a little, you're carrying a little bit of guilt or the, the shoulda, coulda, woulda. You know, what, what could have been if I would have, you know, done things a little differently in my life? Maybe if you feel like you lost your patience with your kids and you, you think, oh, you know, I, I'm going to mess them up. I've messed them up because I've, you know, I was too negative. I need to be more positive. Or, or you, you didn't get the perfect picture for, you know, Mother's Day or the perfect whatever. Nobody, you know, their hair is messed up a little bit. Maybe you feel like we need to make that moment. We've got to be creating memorable moments. And you feel like you're not doing enough to do that. I just want you to know that there's still opportunities, no matter how bad you feel like maybe that, that didn't work out. There's still opportunities for us moving forward. I know there's been plenty of times in my life when I've failed the Lord and I, d- I didn't live up to the standard that he has in mind for my life. And I know that you have too. But it's the great thing about, about our God is that he extends us the opportunity to kick the dust off of our feet and step up to the plate Again, So I wanted to look at a passage of scripture today in Luke chapter 7. And this is a, a unique passage because it's an account of something that really happened. And, and I call it an account on, on purpose because sometimes I think when we read scripture, we, sometimes we read it and we think, is this a story? Is this just something I'm supposed to you know, draw something from? But this is a real historical thing that took place, but there's also a parable within it and a parable if you don't know what that is it's kind of like a a holy hypothetical it's a it's a story that jesus tells a fictional story but there's a deeper meaning that we're we're meant to take something from and so this passage has something that actually happened but it also has a parable in it which we'll see in just a moment in luke 7 starting in verse 36 says one of the pharisees asked jesus to have dinner with him so Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. That would have been a big honor, you know. This guy wanted to open up his home, have a lot of, it would have been a lot of people there. So he probably invited, you know, Jesus was getting a lot of attention by this point. And so a lot of people in the community would have known who he was and what was going on. And so I'm sure this Pharisee invited, you know, some of the big wigs to come over. And Jesus is going to be there. We're all just going to hang out and, and, uh, and talk a little bit. And so this is, that's the setting. They're at the Pharisee's house for this meal. Big crowd there. In verse 37, when a certain immoral woman from that city heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. And then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. And she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. And when the Pharisee who invited him saw this, He said to himself, well, if this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of a woman is touching him. She's a sinner. So here's a woman who apparently uh, has had moments where she struck out. Things have not worked out. Uh, She's made some some poor choices. We don't know exactly, don't know her story, don't know a lot about it. All we know is, is she's obviously broken in this moment, but apparently it was known by others. It's it's pretty well agreed on by theologians that most likely she was a known prostitute. And so here's this scene that she comes in and she interrupts this dinner party. This would have been pretty jarring for everybody who's there. And everyone knew who she was. They'd seen her around. I was thinking this week as I'm reading this, uh, and, I, and I thought, you know, not only did everyone know her, perhaps some of them in the room had even paid for her services. Who knows? But it was an awkward moment. That's for sure. 
And then in verse 40, it says that Jesus answered his thoughts. Now notice, Simon didn't say this out loud. It, it says that he said to himself, and then Jesus is speaking to his thoughts. It, he, he just, he's just thinking this. He's going to address the elephant in the room. But not only is he addressing the elephant in the room, he's addressing Simon in his own mind. And he says, Simon, I have something to say to you. Well, go ahead, teacher, Simon replied. In verse 41, he tells this parable, this holy hypothetical. So Jesus told him this story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces to the other. Now, 500 pieces of silver would have been an extraordinary amount of money. That was worth about two years' salary. So it's a lot of money. Where 50 pieces of silver still would have been a lot, but it maybe would have been about two and a half months worth of money. Still a lot of money, but not nearly as much as, as, uh, as the 500 pieces. He says in verse 42, neither one of those people could repay the loan. So this, this guy that made the loan, he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Now that is an interesting question. Who do you think loved him more? And Simon answered, well, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the larger debt. You know, you think, I just took a loan that's worth two years of my salary, and I can't pay it back, and it was just forgiven. That's a, that's a lot of love in my heart for that guy, right? And Jesus says, you're, you're right. He says, you, you got it. You, you, you got the answer right. You know, I think about when I was in Sunday school, and whenever the teacher would ask a question, the answer's always got to be, it's got to be Jesus, right? It's, ding, ding, ding. You, you win. Tell him what he's won, Johnny. You know, he's, he's, got the, he's got it. Verse 44, then Jesus turned to the woman. Now, this is, this is interesting. If you're taking notes or mental notes or something, you, you might want to really pay attention to this. So Jesus turned to the woman and said to Simon, you can't miss what he's doing there with his, with his body language. You know, sometimes we read scripture, it's really hard to understand. You know, it just seems flat. You're reading text, you know, and without the emotion, without seeing, the, you know, how were people responding right there in the you, you sort of lose something. And, and here I think it's, God's word is going a little extra distance to help us to kind of bring us in the room. Jesus turned to the woman and he says to Simon, he's expressing to her, I see you. I, I care about you. And what I'm saying to him, what I'm getting ready to say to Simon, I want you to understand that I really mean this. So he says, look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust off my feet. It would have been common in their day. They wore sandals. It's dusty. Their feet got really nasty. So when you came into somebody's house, there was someone there. Uh, the homeowner made sure there was someone who was there to wash their feet. And if they didn't have money to afford that, the homeowner would do it themselves. It was a kind of an act of courtesy. If you came into my house and I said, can I take your coat? You know, can I get you something to drink? That's kind of the same, similar kind of hospitality. It was just expected. He said, you didn't do that for me, Simon. From the moment I walked in, you didn't offer me water to even wash my own feet. And yet, she washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss. Again, that would have been another very common practice. You think if somebody comes to your house, maybe you shake their hand or you give them a hug or you, you know, high five, whatever. Hey, great to see you. 
you know, they, they kind of would, would greet each other with a kiss. And he says, you didn't, even, you didn't even extend that courtesy to me. You didn't even welcome me. You just kind of said, hey, come on in, you know, whatever. He said, but from the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head. Another common thing. That sounds kind of weird to us today, but it's been very common. You think again, in their day and age, oil was uh, significant as a symbol of, of uh, the presence of the Holy Spirit. It was kind of, and certainly going into a Pharisee's home who would be an ultra-religious guy, this might be a practice that they would do similar to, you know, if you came over to my house and we were having dinner, maybe uh, I would say, hey, before we eat, can we, shall we pray? And maybe I, or if you asked me, would you pray for me? That'd be a common thing, right, that I might do. You would expect he walks into this ultra-religious guy's house. This is a common practice. You didn't even do that. You didn't do the bare minimum for me, and yet she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. Jesus, you remember, he's, he's saying all this in front of everyone there in that room as he looks right at her. He's really lifting her up. He says, I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love. But a person who's forgiven a little shows only a little love. And then Jesus said to the woman, he's been looking at her the whole time, but I imagine now he's, he's stopped down, I imagine he's stooped down to take her hand at this point, help her to her feet, and says, your sins are forgiven. And the men at the table said among themselves, who is this man that he goes around forgiving sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Now this is a great story. It's one of my favorite places in, in the New Testament, to be honest with you, because it shows us the heart of Jesus. There's just these moments where we get this little bit of a glimpse. Who was Jesus really? What was he like? You ever wonder that? Well, you know, if, if you could go back, if you had a time machine, you'd go back 2,000 years and just sit in the room. And what, was he, what was he like? Well, here we see just a, just a little glimpse of the heart of Christ. It shows us his heart. It shows us the broken heart of this woman and unfortunately it shows us the stubborn heart of a pharisee but what i really love about this passage is there really are two incredible things that happen there's an interruption followed by an invitation all sorts of course with this woman who she was she was uh, she was not on the guest list if there was an rsvp you know she, she didn't get the invite she just showed up unannounced and she comes to dinner with this alabaster jar full of perfume which was worth about two years worth of wages and she was coming in to anoint Jesus so you got to remember this this jar of perfume for her this is a huge deal what this would have been what this really represented uh, was who she's been and who she is and who she could be uh, she's surrendering all of that at the feet of Jesus. It's quite the interruption. Speaking of interruptions, I, I want to tell you this story. Of course, the, uh, the Derby is a big interruption for us, for our city. You know, a lot of you that 
uh, maybe your streets are shut down. They come along and tell you, you can't park on the street, you can't do this, can't do that. You know, we're, we're doing all these things. But there's, there's one thing that you, you can't deny, whether you love it or you hate it, you can't deny it. It sure makes a big statement. And uh, I, I know some people say, oh, I, I hate the Derby because there's just so much sin that happens there. It's just so sinful. And I'll tell you, it, it, is, it is no more sinful than any other place. It's just that people are a little more dressed up there, and it's well televised. That's about the difference. But, uh, but I, I tell you, Megan and I, we, we went on uh, Thursday to Thurby. I'd never been before. Uh, we'd been to Churchill Downs, but uh, never been for the big shindig, you know. And, uh, but it was, it, was, it was fun. It was neat. And as we were leaving, uh, we're walking out together. Megan and I are walking out. And this young woman comes just trotting right up to us. And she looks right at me, and she kind of looks just real quick. I mean, just in a moment, she looked at me, and she says, Wow, you look like quite a snack. And then kept on walking. And uh, I've, never, I've never had that word used about me. So I kind of felt really good. And Megan, she's this girl, she's probably mid-20s. She's fairly attractive, you know. And, 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 I, and Megan just starts bursting out laughing. I mean, she just thinks this is the funniest thing. And I said, what, what are you laughing at? I said, I still got it, woman. I still. And she's laughing and laughing. I said, I don't see what you think is so funny. Weren't you, weren't you threatened by that? She says, oh, no, not at all. She's obviously had too much to drink. I said, I said what do you mean, obviously? Well, that's my wife, the encourager. But uh, that's. That was an interruption, but, uh, but this, this woman with Jesus is a, a totally different kind of interruption. She comes in, she's pouring her heart out to the Lord and saying, I'm not going to live on my terms anymore. She was broken, she'd been used and abused and tossed aside. She brings this jar. This is what I was really thinking about this week. That jar, what that represented in her life. That was her 401k. That was her stock portfolio. That was the retirement plan. That was her life savings. It was everything that she had in the whole world, which, by the way, she most likely earned it in a way of life that she was ready to leave behind forever. And she's saying, I am not going to be what I have been. That's what she was saying. I'm no longer going to be what I've been. And then she pours it out. On the feet of Jesus. A lot of us have moments like that where we're, we're not, moments in our life that we're not proud of. Sometimes it feels like we've got our own little jars that we keep that are full of memories of the past and things that we wish maybe uh, we could just ignore the shame of the past or whatever. But Jesus gives us an invitation. This woman had made quite the interruption, but now he's inviting her into something. It's Come to me and all your sins are forgiven. Everything that you've been, everything that you've done can be wiped clean. You know, just because you've struck out doesn't mean you can't step up to the plate. You dust the feet, you dust your, the, the, you knock the dust off your feet. It's not the individual moments that define us. It's not the times we've struck out because there's always that invitation that Jesus extends to us. Jesus told Simon that parable about a man who forgives the debts of others. And he, he said, those who are forgiven of a little, they love little. 
And this woman has been forgiven of some big moments. Her love is great. She's given up everything that she had. Everything to her name she's giving up just to show honor to Jesus. And then he dismisses her in the most beautiful way. And I didn't want us to miss this today. He says, your faith has saved you. Now go in peace. Now I don't want us to miss that because some of us, we're still wrestling with a little bit of some, we still got a little bit of toxic religion in us that tells us, or maybe those, there's moments that you think about your own mortality, and you think about what it's going to look like, you know, getting to heaven, and am I really, really going to make it? Have I done enough? Have I been who I need to be? Is there something I need to do? What does this all look like? Jesus, in the words of our Savior, it says, your faith has saved you. Well, what is that? It's trust, that you trusted me. Do you trust him today? Have you placed your full trust and dependence on the Lord Jesus Christ? That's what matters today. And then he says, now go in peace. It, what, he did not just say to this woman who had interrupted, right? She'd come in to a place she wasn't invited and stirred things up. Now everybody's, you know, clucking and quacking and having a fit. He didn't say, hey, why don't you slip out the back door? You know, I know they're kind of staring daggers at you, but just, just try not to make a fuss. Just leave quiet or here, I'll help you. We'll, we'll, you know, we'll get you out of here real quick. He didn't say that. He says, go in peace. The Jewish people understood shalom. The word for peace means, it doesn't mean, okay, now, now that things have quieted down a little bit. Or, okay, life is getting back on the right track. That's not what peace was. That's what we think of peace. Maybe for you mothers, you think, when I say the word peace, maybe you think nap time. That would be peace. That's not what this word means. What it meant to them was the fullness of God. That I can experience the, the absolute fullness of who God is. I love the words of Jesus in John 10, 10. He says, the enemy, the thief, Satan, the devil, comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. The fullness of of God. And for this woman, you came, you have emptied your heart, your past, your present, your future, and now you go in the peace that only God can give you, the fullness of Christ. You have everything that you need, and I will do everything that you need me to do for you. He gave her this, this fullness of life, and that's what he wants to do for each one of us. And that's what I I really wanted to, to communicate, I guess, on, on Mother's Day, not just for moms, but for all of us, is that God wants to do more in your life than you think he's capable of. We, we put God in a box. But I am convinced that God wants to do more in your life than what you think he ever could. And maybe he wants to do more in your life than you think he should. But he has a great plan for you. And I, when I think about people you know, live life to the fullest, one of the, one of the people that I think about is one of my... I mean, just dear, dear, dear friends uh, who's on staff here, and a lot of y'all know him, Phil Miller. I love Phil Miller. And uh, a couple uh, last summer, we went on a golf trip. He's lo- if you know anything about Phil, loves to golf. He's a really good golfer. We went on a golf trip with some guys, some of them here from church. Al Smith, one of our elders, was there. Uh, a couple other guys from another church. Anyway, we had a great time. We were there for a week out in Myrtle Beach. And uh, 
And I, I don't mind to golf, but I'm not a very good golfer. I could not keep up with these guys at all. I mean, it's just, but, and we're playing golf every day, and Phil's like, you want to go, we'd go play 18 holes in the morning. He's like, you want to go play another 18 holes? I'm like, I am, give me a beach, man. We are here on the ocean. I'm going to go sit down. I could not keep up with those guys. But he's just, you know, Phil, he just, he's, he's full of life, and, and, uh, and I love that guy. And there, there's really no easy way to transition into this, but if you're, if you're on our church email list, then you, you, uh, yesterday you received an email from, from Phil. And I know that uh, some of you may not be on that list, but we all love Phil and his wife, Marsha. And recently, uh, Phil was diagnosed with stage 4 liver and colon cancer. And it's been just a horrible shock for them and for us and uh, trying to, to navigate all that. He's going to be starting chemotherapy within the next week or so. And he's asking that he wanted me to communicate with this with you guys so that we could be praying for him in three specific ways. And here they are. Number one, he's asking that we would pray that God would use whatever he sees fit to stop the spread of the cancer. And that number two is that we would pray that God will use whatever he sees fit to shrink the tumors in his liver, lungs, and colon. And three, that we would pray that God would use whatever he sees fit to provide Phil with the strength to not only survive, but, but to thrive. So those are the, the things that I wanted to ask you guys to be doing and keeping him uh, lifted up, because I, I, know, I know that uh, we need that for each other. That's the purpose of the church. That's what we do is we, we walk beside each other, and that's what we're going to do for him and for Marsha. We're going to be here every step of the way, and uh, just, uh, just surround them with your prayers. I know how much they would really, really appreciate that. So let's pray. Lord, we're thankful for your presence here today. We're thankful that you are a God who loves us and you offer us second chances over and over and over. And Lord, we, we read this, this story of this woman that Jesus encountered and, and everything that happened there. I just, it's, I just want to apply that to our lives to know that when we come before you and we trust you with all that we have and all that we are, that you forgive us of our sins, and you send us out with the fullness of your presence. So for those of us that maybe are here today, we haven't experienced that. And that just sounds so foreign. I have no idea. Those that would say, I have no idea what that even feels like, I pray that you would stir that up in us, that we would continue to seek you, and that we would surrender our whole lives so that you would be in control, that we would trust you. Lord, thank you. For, for the ladies that are here today, those that uh, have made big sacrifices and to, to give birth and, and to be moms, and even those that have taken on that role in the lives of other people, maybe those that, that didn't have a mom, but they've stepped in and they've been in the gap there for those, those people. We're so grateful for them. We want to honor them, and I pray that you would bless them today. Lord, we thank you for Jesus, and, and Lord, we just want to pray for Phil today as well, and, and we do ask those three things, that you would, that you would be able to use the, the treatment to stop the growth of the cancer, that you would shrink the tumors that are there, and that you would give him everything that he needs, including healing. Lord, we, we trust you, and we thank you uh, for being so good to us, and it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. God bless you guys. Happy Mother's Day. We'll see you next week.